Welcome to the Midlife Career Rebel, the podcast created for high-achieving professional women to gain the clarity, confidence, and courage they need to go after and get the life and career they want. I'm your host, Dr. Carol Parker-Walsh, lawyer, social scientist, brand strategist, executive coach, entrepreneur, and midlife career rebel. Each week, you'll learn strategies to manage your mind, navigate the challenges of midlife, and take control of your career so you can thrive doing the work you love. So if you're ready to tear up that rule book and create your own, you're in the right place. And I can't wait to show you how. Hey, 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 Rebels, welcome back to the podcast. I'm so excited today because I have a friend and colleague that is on to talk about something that I think is so powerful and also really growing in popularity, I believe, in um, how we are showing up in our workplaces. And um, we're talking about empathy in the workplace and particularly empathy in relationship to inclusive leadership. And you know, right now, since the pandemic, I have, you've heard me say this and talk about this so many times, but the skill sets that we need to bring forth, the focus that we need to have in organizations have got to shift that really speak to how people are thinking about the individuals in the workplace and not just the workplace itself or the typical business as usual, the way we've been doing it. So let me do a quick intro. My guest today is Shola Kay. She is the author of two books and an award-winning international speaker on communication, inclusive leadership, and empathy at work. She's passionate about helping organizations create an atmosphere of belonging for their people. And when a workplace is fully inclusive and welcoming, amazing things can happen. People are transformed, teams and groups perform better, and really everyone overall just really benefits. And Shola's work has appeared in a variety of industry journals. She's a LinkedIn learning instructor, and her clients include the United Nations and Deloitte. And I am so happy to have you here today, Shola. Welcome, welcome, welcome. Thank you, Carol. This is the highlight of my week. So I'm very delighted to be here too. I <laughs> love to hear that. That's so awesome. You know, before we really get into it, I would love to know your journey and how you got into doing this work. Yeah, thank you for asking, Carol. Well, I think like a lot of people who work in sort of the field of trying to transform workplaces, they themselves had some sort of brush with, uh, you know, difficult circumstances. And very early on in my career, I studied the sciences. So we never did anything about communication skills at all. And um, I just got my master's degree. I went to work for a consulting firm and I just didn't have the skills to speak up really. I was the only, uh, I think I was the only black woman in the organization. Uh, it was quite a small organization. It was in the States, I'm from the UK. So I felt very much like a, a sort of fish out of water. I didn't feel very comfortable at all. And that mm -hmm. manifested itself in me, not speaking up, not sitting in the meetings, trembling, hoping they didn't call on me to say anything <laughs> valuable. Uh, and I did all those things that you're not supposed to do, like volunteer to take notes. They looked at me as the, you know, like the, the kind of secretary versus being one of their peers. Um, and so then I, I had this quite young manager as well, and, and he was clearly not very good at having those challenging conversations where you say to somebody, well, hey, you know, what do you need? How can we change things? Because the first time um, he, he commented or the first I heard that he was not unhappy, he was unhappy was when I was called to the managing director's office and 
they put me on a uh, on probation, <laughs> effectively. Um, and, and the manager could have easily had a conversation with me earlier than that and said, look, you mm -hmm. know, what you need, but didn't. So I can only assume either he didn't have the skills or, you know, there wasn't um, there wasn't a, a, a supportive environment where they wanted me to, to, to swim. They were happy to let me sink. Anyway, that was my uh, sort of first experience of what it could be like to be led by somebody who doesn't have a lot of empathy and mm. in an organisation as well that wasn't really making a lot of effort to help its its uh, people, you know, thrive. Mm -hmm. And um, I, I worked in another organisation similar to that after that. And then I just thought, gosh, you know, I, I'm clearly not equipped for the corporate world. <laughs> so uh, <laughs> that took some time out. Uh, and then um, eventually kind of realised that I wanted to go back in and, and really help people to change, you know, things for themselves and to change things in their workplaces so that this sort of thing doesn't happen as much, basically. So that that's, in a nutshell, that's that's kind of how I got to where I am now, talking about these topics. Yeah, that is so fascinating. You know, it's funny because people sometimes will ask me why years ago, when I started my career, I'd started off as an employment attorney and people always ask me like, well, what made you want to be an attorney? And our stories are relatively similar in that I basically had a shitty boss mm -hmm. <laughs> and, and um, was really dissatisfied, you know, just watched how she horribly was a horrible manager and people were unhappy and, you know, just really wasn't a good job leading. And at the time, you know, back in the eighties, you know, I didn't hear about things like organizational consulting or empathy at work or things of that nature. So law was the one, the thing I went after, you know, at the time, but it, you know, it's interesting how our experiences really can prompt us to take a direction. And, and when I started consulting, my idea to consult was to go into organizations and help them not be sued, right? So it's so interesting that I think, had I had the language that I think you're using today, I would have been better equipped probably back then to do so much probably better type of work than just, you know, either suing organizations or just, you know, helping people to create policies and, you know, not engage in regulatory behavior and practices and things of that nature, but go a level deeper to really make an impact in the organization. So, you know, I'm curious, I would love for you to define, like, what does empathy and inclusive leadership kind of mean and how do they go hand in hand? Mm. Well, empathy, the, the sort of classic um, definition is, is the ability to understand the feelings of somebody else. And we can kind of broaden that to three different kinds of empathy. Some people say there's, there's five, but we'll keep it to three for today. But um, the first one is what we call perspective taking or cognitive empathy, where you can actually mentally see the situation that somebody might be in. And that's really valuable, especially for things like, uh, you know, design thinking, uh, sort of mapping out customer processes, that sort of thing. And uh, but also, if you think about psychopaths, they they have cognitive empathy. They're very good at putting themselves in, the, you know, the, the minds of another person. Um, but what they lack is what we call um, the, the emotional side. Right. So the, the ability to feel what somebody else feels. Mm -hmm. So because if a, a psychopath felt what somebody else would feel, you know, who's going through pain, they most likely wouldn't do what they do. Right. right? right. So um, so you've got and, and that's what we typically think of 
or associate with empathy so the ability to feel what somebody else feels mm -hmm. and then you've got the third kind which is really going beyond the feelings and the thinking to actually the doing and that's where we talk about compassion or even taking it a bit further kindness you can't be kind just by feeling kind kindness compassion are acts right mm -hmm. so it's all very well to be empathetic but it's almost like well what do you do with that because I could say oh well, you know these poor people or this person's feeling that they're doing this but then unless I take some sort of action how valuable is that that feeling the feeling should really be a catalyst in my opinion to 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 promote some sort of action or next step um so so those are the three you can think about it as thinking which is cognitive empathy feeling which is you know associated with the heart um and then the doing which is the compassion um sometimes it's called mammalian empathy so um when we get to the workplace as i say the feelings are, are powerful but it's the doing and as a let's say that you're a leader empathy is useful it, it can can't take you everywhere because if you've got 10 people in your team and they all feel something different it's going to paralyze you if you're feeling what all of them are feeling so mm -hmm. part of it is about you understanding where people are coming from having those conversations at the right time so that they know that you understand and then you've got to make your decision based on whatever is important to you as the leader but equally it's if you can recognize and, and share with people yeah I get where you're coming from this is why I've made this decision it may go against what you personally feel but I, I have taken your opinion your feelings into account that will take you a long way that will take you a very long way mm. so if we take uh, go back to what you were talking about with inclusive leadership um, if we think about the, the diversity that we have in the workplaces today, an inclusive leader is a leader that can lead across difference and mm -hmm. they can take a team, you know, with all, all manner of different individuals in it and, and bring those people together uh, to lead them forward. And it, it's a little different than transformational leadership. Transformational leadership is really about making sure that you recognize the person, you allow them to shine and so on. But inclusive mm -hmm. leadership is around that that difference that aspect of leading across difference that's mm. my someone may argue with me but that's my take <laughs> I love that and so why do you think this is such an essential quality for leadership well I mean it's going back to diversity really it's, we've just got so much and there's so many studies that say that diversity is good for business right but mm -hmm. you can't just throw a bunch of people who are all different together in a room and then just expect them to form a really high performing team you need that leader who will make sure that every voice is heard make sure that differences um you know can be uh, overcome and, and moved on from you need that leader to bring out the best in people and to recognize because otherwise you'll get the you know anyone who's marginalized will will continue to be marginalized unless you've got that leader who who will support them so we do need these inclusive leaders to make sure that we harness these powers of diversity that we have in mm -hmm. our workplaces today. Yeah. And have this level of empathy. I, I noticed like you had a, a brilliant statistic on your website that said 50% of people with empathetic leaders reported an inclusive workplace versus 17% of those with less empathetic leaders. That's a huge jump, right? To show the power of really having someone who 
as you said, had those three types of empathy of the the thinking, the feeling, the doing, but also a respect for differences and 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 making that connection, which is really powerful. Mm, yeah, there's there's so much data out there that just talks about if you have a leader who's empathetic, the difference that it makes. Uh, there's this data from Gallup that says if a leader uh, is understanding, then you the the individual in the team is more likely to share information with their colleagues. They're more supportive of their colleagues. They're more creative and innovative. So the the impact is is huge. And there, there is a lot of talk about empathy at the moment, but I think with good reason. I mean, it's mm-hmm. you think, well, empathy, come on, that's just basic, but it's not right. You can't take things for granted in the workplace. <laughs> Yeah, well, totally. I mean, because there's still this push toward the traditional business culture that's around that values efficiency and productivity over taking the time to understand. And while I think people talk about it, it's fascinating. I was having a conversation with a a potential client I'm going to work with. And this idea of this deeper understanding and wanting to connect to people at a different level even she was talking about how uh, how much of a struggle that is and how to make the business case for it. Because as much as the organization talks about it, she's like, we love to give definitions of psychological safety and empathy and things of that nature, but there's no work behind it because it's like, we talk about it, but we're still focusing on the values of efficiency and productivity. So how can people in a leadership role really kind of reconcile the need for empathy and leadership, you know, particularly, like you said, to make the business case for inclusive leadership and, and really help to bring it to life in an organization. Mm, yeah, yeah, it's, it is interesting, isn't it? I mean, and I was talking to somebody yesterday, they're, they're going to hire me to do a keynote, and they were saying, well, we, we want to talk about empathy, but we have to always bring it back to performance. And of course, performance is, is important because performance then leads on to the engagement and the productivity and the so on and so forth. But I mean, just at a basic level, I mean, if I think back to my own story, right? So I'm sitting in a room, afraid to speak up. They're put, my, the client's paying me, right? My, my employer's paying me. They're not, what, what are they getting out of me if I'm sitting there trembling and, and have got nothing to say? So <laughs> that's... <laughs> at that basic level you know just just in in terms of helping people to be at their best it, it's common sense that if, if if you're acknowledged if you are understood if people treat you with respect if people understand what you're going through so in my case as somebody who was like a young a new and new to the workplace um feeling uncomfortable because she stood out because of the way she looked and the fact that the company had very few women as well. Um, so, I mean, some of these are, are common sense, but people, I think, I think let's say that you're a young, this guy was a, a young white guy and, and um, he probably had never experienced what it was like to be the only one in the room. So it's just taking that step back and thinking, well, okay, well, Sherry's not speaking up, but let me think, what, what, what's going on with her? What could it be? You know, I can ask her, and that's the most important thing, the curiosity and the desire to learn. But let me just think, well, maybe there's something going on. Maybe she's not lazy. <laughs> maybe she's not incompetent. <laughs> maybe. <laughs> maybe what I'm maybe. thinking is right. Give <laughs> her the benefit of the doubt, and at least minimum, ask, right? Yeah. If, if you can't even put yourself in someone's shoes, 
ask them. So that that those basic levels of you know respect, communication, lack of fear regarding what you'll hear, because I think a lot of times when people are um, maybe they're managing or leading across difference. There's a fear that what if that person says something that I've never experienced? What if they, you know, and what what do I say? What do I do? And then because of that fear, people don't ask. So yeah. you've got to be ready to hear about experiences that you yourself have never had. Mm-hmm. And I there was a great post just before I came on, on here. There was a great post someone put on LinkedIn and they were talking about the steps of empathy. And they said, recognize the emotion that someone is feeling. So he may not have been able to say, well, what is it like to be a, a black woman in uh, corporate America as who's from the UK? He, like, he, you know, it's probably too far, but he might yeah. have thought, what's it like to be the only one? What's it like to feel afraid um, because people might think he said the wrong thing? You know, find something in his past <laughs> that reminds him of that. So it's just, if you can get to those kind of essential feelings, then you can... Forget the, the different experience because it's the feeling that will connect us. Um, yeah. And I think we just have to be ready to feel. We have to be ready to go there so that we know we can recognize what someone else is is, is experiencing. Yeah, that is so good. So good. I, I want to go back to something you said earlier, which I think is really, really powerful. And when you were talking about the three levels of empathy and the one about feeling and how if you were feeling Every, you know, leaning into everybody's feelings on your team, it can be rather overwhelming, right? Particularly when you're trying to respect differences and trying to connect and things of that nature. So how can you manage like burnout? Like some people may worry that too much empathy can lead to burnout or being taken advantage of because, you know, they can play the multitude of quote unquote cards that people say people play. So how can, how can people lean in and be curious and, you know, feel and connect and engage um, without burning out, without running the risk of burnout? Yeah, this is this is one people ask a lot, and it, it it is it's tough. There's so much going on. There's so many sort of change, and just everything's going on, right? So, I think the the first thing you've got to do is be able to have boundaries, put boundaries up as needed, and you know there might be a time when you listen, and then might be another time where you have to take a, a step back. And there's actually some interesting um, data, something in Harvard Business Review, and it talks about how if you're an empathetic leader, you have to schedule time between giving feedback uh, and getting back, you know, to, back to your work, because you will feel debilitated by giving people feedback if you're very empathetic. So you can imagine, you know, you're, you're mm. going through those experiences yourself. Whereas right. somebody who's low empathy they are actually invigorated by giving harsh feedback. So you know those those bosses, they're like, what? They seem to enjoy taking me down, right? (laughs) And that's a thing, it's a thing. So those individuals need to create psychological safety, whereas the other individuals need to make sure, we're going back to burnout, that they have time scheduled in, maybe it's five minutes between a meeting and the next thing that they do, to be able to rest and replenish Mm-hmm. so that they can stay you know performing at a high level mm-hmm. and I mean we can talk about it at that 
that, that you know during the working day but of course making sure that when you're away from work that you're really giving yourself those opportunities to recover to take a complete break from 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 your working day um and then also to recognize that you cannot solve everybody's problem you cannot some people might be going through something that you what you know with the best will in the world you can never fix that issue right mm-hmm. and i remember one of my clients they um they asked the senior leadership team to watch a, a it was a video of um you know Brian Stevenson the the lawyer mm-hmm. who yes they asked um everyone to watch a video and it was him t- telling a story it was quite a disturbing story and i remember after watching the video myself for three nights i didn't sleep i was like oh what this thing that happened to this person it's so awful. how can this happen how can this happen wow. on the after the third night i'm like okay what was what was achieved this has already happened to this person a long time right (laughs) it okay I was empathetic but I've lost three nights of sleep so I'm less effective as well right Mm -hmm. so you've got to realize what is the the benefit of feeling a certain way over an extended period of time no one is 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 going to win unless there's some action to be taken as well so I think if you can see that recognize that and then realize that okay yeah it does help to have some boundaries here because no one's benefiting from me replaying a situation again and again, you know, whatever it is. So, um, so that can help as well. And then even things like, you know, the, is it the Kubler-Ross curve, the change curve where you Mm -hmm. go through grief and then I've, I've worked with clients where they've showed that that basically they were having, um, they were letting a lot of people go. Right. So all the, the managers were obviously really, sort of grief stricken panicked they were having going to have all these conversations saying well sorry you know you're losing your job so we did a session on um, empathetic leadership and difficult conversations before that happened and one of the things we talked about was that change curve and saying that sometimes there are scenarios where there's nothing that we can really do apart from listen apart Mm -hmm. from recognize what somebody's going through and the recognition of that doesn't necessarily mean we have to take on that ourselves, mm-hmm. but we are there to acknowledge and listen and recognize. So I think it's that that we've got to have those boundaries and recognize that it's it's not always useful for us to go to experience those emotions as well, mm-hmm. uh, apart from just as a trigger or as a catalyst. So those are a couple of things to keep in mind, I think, to to try and reduce burnout. Yeah, yeah. And so, you know, this this idea of because I know your kind of tagline around empathy and equity in the workplace, you know, and going together. And you know, I I'm doing I've done a lot of, you know, diversity consulting and leadership development consulting in organizations. In fact, I'm working with one organization now around, you know, these topics of, you know, diversity and anti-racism and things of that nature, but I I found over time what we're really talking about are things like having difficult conversations, psychological safety, you know, and things of that nature. So in terms of, you know, reconciling, you know, kind of the intersectionality of empathy and inclusive leadership, how do you use empathy to have these conversations around gender, race, and other social identities? Like, how does it come into play in, in terms of, advancing differences or you know within leadership but also having these conversations around when you think about equity in the workplace Mm, yeah the way I tend to position it is as the first step in because you always have some people who are resistant about 
you know, diversity and inclusion are, I'm going to get less because these people are going to get more attention or, you know, why should we shake things up? So quite often people bring me in or, you know, I position the empathy work as this is the foundation. This is the first step to, to almost soften people up so that they are ready to hear this, a different story. They're ready to acknowledge that other people's I love that Michelle De Michelle um, Obama's definition of empathy is something like acknowledging that other people's experiences have value too. Mm. And it's, I think if you can understand the importance of empathy, you can then say, oh, okay, well, yeah, these people are different than I am, but they're still just as, their experiences are just as valid. And then I think when you come at it that way, and you can combine that with curiosity and courage and the courage will come from like difficult conversations trainings right and the curiosity will come from sort of the, the idea of you know trying to create community trying to bring people together understand trying to understand where people are coming from i think when you can bring those together that's where you start to create an environment where these dei initiatives are going to be more um more successful because you won't have those people that are just stubbornly resistant or trying to derail the process or whatever it might be. And I think also, even if it's at the the employee level, I think if you've got those managers who are a little bit, you know, because quite often we say, well, it's the middle managers that kind of at the top, you know, the, the senior leadership might say, yeah, that we want this. At the bottom, you've got people saying, yeah, we need it. And then sometimes middle management may not be playing the same <laughs> okay. game yeah but uh, but even if you can if those managers can see that there's this kind of support for it you know among the majority of the the workforce then I think even then you know that that, that could be enough to make them realize oh okay I need to just shape up a little bit here I can't just keep to my old ways so um and you know not to imply that all middle managers are are resistant at all but right but right well, they don't have the skills, right? So yeah. um, I think that that's where empathy can really come into it. And then I think even, you know, regarding fighting bias or reducing bias, just questions that people can ask themselves, like if I had a different person's identity, would I be making the same decision? Mm. Or if, um, if, who is this decision affecting the most? Right. And that requires you to put yourself in the shoes of another person, mm -hmm. kind of understand the impact. So even little questions like that can make people think twice regarding the decisions that they're about to make. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. That's really great, great, great points. Let me ask you, what are some of the signs of an empathetic leader? Like, how does someone recognize if they're like doing it well or falling short? Like, are there some indicators of, you know, how they're thinking and feeling and doing or is there some ways that you can know that you know I'm doing a good job with this or or I'm not <laughs> well I think it's interesting like about a couple of years ago people started coming to me and saying things like well our leadership need to change their com command and control top down something needs to happen and you know that's kind of when people were really kind of getting into inclusive leadership but I think it with the empathy empathy side of things, I, I always say it's curiosity is, is huge. So if you're a leader who can be curious before you make your decisions, you're asking people, you're not making assumptions, um, 
because all too often if you're in the workplace there's so much going on that you're going to okay oh so and so's done this that's why if you can hold off on the assumptions and the judgment and ask right i think that's a, a huge first step towards being more empathetic um if you are somebody who is open and also open to being told right not necessarily that you have to do what this person is is implying that you should do or change but just open receptive to hearing something different something fresh because a lot of times people think that empathy means agreement and it doesn't mean agree it just means understand they're two different things so i think mm. if you're comfortable hearing a range of responses or different ideas and you're strong within that i mean one i was doing some work for a pharmaceutical company and I was interviewing a senior leader and he was saying he loves to share his opinions, but he will say to his team, I'm going to tell you what I think, but I want to hear all of you say why this is wrong or why it won't work. So there's kind of a strength, I think, that comes from being empathetic because you will hear different opinions. You will hear different experiences, different emotions, different feelings. So you, I think you have to have quite a lot of, not necessarily confidence, but just you're, you're okay absorbing different perspectives and that doesn't yeah. threaten you. Yeah. Where does vulnerability play in that? I know you talked about curiosity, but is vulnerability a piece of it? It is, to be honest, because in a couple of ways, and Deloitte did a big study on inclusive leadership a few years ago, and they said that vulnerability or humility are kind of one of the, the, the traits of an inclusive leader. And... It, Vulnerability comes up in a couple of ways, because on the one hand, you need to be vulnerable because sometimes you will have to open up first for people to trust you to then share back so that you can be empathetic. So vulnerability certainly comes up there. And then also vulnerability when you're hearing what people are, are, are sharing or what they've been exposed to or what they're feeling, because it takes vulnerability to be open enough to, to absorb truly absorb and process um, rather than being like, um, I call it like brittle leaders or where they've mm -hmm. got like a force field around them that you can't penetrate them. And so it takes vulnerability to let that force field come down to show that you, to show that you truly understand that you're moved, that you're touched, you're affected by what you're hearing. Mm, okay. This was so amazing. So I have just one more question for you. Um, what does, being a career rebel mean to you and how do, would you put that in the context of the things that we've been talking about today hmm. I think it, it, it's interesting a couple of weeks ago I put a post on LinkedIn and a young manager uh responded and he said you know what I'm I'm so pleased that there's this move towards empathetic leadership because I've had two managers in the past who said to me you will never succeed you're too empathetic You'll never, mm. you won't go very far at all. And he said, well, look, so be it. You know, I'm going to be this kind of rebel leader, if you like, and still be an empathetic individual. And he felt so vindicated by where we are going with this now, because, you know, he's being acknowledged for, for his skills that he has. So I think being, for me, yeah, being a rebel leader is is being okay doing it your own way and, and putting your values 
I mean, it depends what your values are, right? But I mean, putting your values in terms of being human centric, valuing other people, putting those first and not being afraid that that will make you less successful as a leader. I love that. And to me, I think that's great advice for wanting to cultivate, you know, the ability to be an empathetic leader. I think that's a great skill to have to be bold enough to want to not only improve your own ability to be empathetic, but also to make sure that that's felt and realized within your team or the organization you're working with. What do you say? Mm, yeah, I would agree. I agree. You get people saying, well, if I want to be that kind of leader, but I'm in an organization that doesn't seem to encourage it. And sometimes you you have to do it, do it your way and then show the success that your team is achieving and then let that be the lesson that this is this you can be successful as an empathetic leader i love that so awesome such great information shola thank you so much where can people reach you what is is there anything that a resource or anything that people can get from you that may help them to further their understanding in this conversation around empathy and inclusive leadership Yes, absolutely. So I'm excited. I've got a, a new book deal that's just been announced and there'll be more about that later, but that book won't be out probably till next year. So in the, <laughs> in the short term, <laughs> what you can do is on my website, showlocade.com, uh, there's a banner there for a white paper or a research paper on empathy in the workplace. So uh, I'm sure, Carol, I can give you the, the, the links, but feel free to go to my website, sign up for that. It's a very readable um, research paper with with um, information from a, a series of different senior leaders from com big companies around the globe like IBM and uh, yeah, different companies and it's them sharing their opinion on why uh, empathy is so important and how we can really sort of practically uh, make sure that we create empathetic workplaces so yeah please do grab hold of that. Yeah, that sounds like an amazing resource. And we'll definitely make sure to have all the links so that you can reach Shola on LinkedIn and her website and to get your hands on that white paper. I think that'll be that'll be great, particularly if you're trying to make a business case for really having a more empathetic environment in your workplace. So thank you so much for being here, Shola, and sharing your brilliance and your knowledge with us today. Thank you, Carol. Thank you so much. I really enjoyed it. So thanks for the opportunity. You are welcome. And that's it for today, Rebels. That's another episode uh, for you, one that you're going to definitely want to listen to again and maybe take some extra notes, things that you can take back into the workplace and even think about in your own leadership, how you're showing up and how you want to bring more empathy into the work that you do in the world. I want to thank you so much for joining me and stay tuned because we're going to have other amazing guests that you'll want to listen to and hear from. And in the interim, however, have have an amazingly rebellious week and I'll see you soon. That's it for this week's episode. Hey, and if you're loving what you're learning, be sure to rate, comment, and subscribe to this podcast so you never miss another episode. Also, don't forget to read the show notes and grab the free resources mentioned so you can start implementing what you're learning right away. Finally, are you ready to unlock your potential and fearlessly go after the career and life you want? 
Then join me and a community of other high-achieving women in midlife, stepping into new levels of leadership, switching it up to do the meaningful and fulfilling work they're meant to do, and glowing up by creating the systems of freedom to achieve their dreams in Fearless, the Career Rebel Academy. You'll find the link in the show notes. Simply fill out the application and together we'll determine if this is the right fit for you. I can't wait to see you there.